Dr. Roger Pines said here, the study doc, and this is the Dominate Pre-Med Show. And this is the second part of a two-part episode giving you a complete and thorough breakdown of what the recent Step 1, USMLE Step 1 policy change uh, means for you guys. If you missed Part 1, I've linked it below in the show notes. Get back, watch Part 1, get the baseline, get the, the context of all this. In this episode, we're going to tackle a lot all the way from what this means for students at smaller medical schools, what it means for students in DO programs, IMG students, and what it means for disadvantaged and students of minority backgrounds, what this means to you guys. You guys know disadvantaged students, minority students are my heart, right? And, and so I want to make sure I address this and what it meant for them. Lots of stuff in this, in this episode. Sit back, hold tight, and get ready, y'all. Dominate Pre-Med Show coming at you right now. But stop making excuses. Stop whining. Stop, right? Get at it. No excuses. Just dominate. Now. The second point, so for my INGs, my DOs who are on here talking to me, asking me about that. Because we're going to lose the major predictor of what program directors thought really mattered, and let me get the exact stats, so I don't misquote it here. Of residency program directors were surveyed, 50% and asked to grade the importance to residency admission of various factors. 50% of program directors voted graduate of a highly regarded U.S. medical school higher than active involvement with research and quality of personal statement. Does that make sense, everybody? So program directors already, half of them are telling you the prestige of your medical school matters more than any research you've done and anything you can write in your personal statement. Already they say this. Step one score was the only thing that rivals school prestige. So in the past, you could overcome your lack of school prestige with an amazing step one score because it was in a uniform assessment point across all schools. Step two CK will become that, but because step two CK, so many students never studied for it because it didn't matter. There is no regulation of step two and program directors have never evaluated step two, so they're not going to put their trust in that right away. So early on, what's going to happen is program directors are going to rely heavier on school reputation and prestige and what they know about that school and the medical students they produce. So what this does is it hurts. This is very important. Everyone pay attention here. It's going to hurt people who don't go to top medical schools. It's going to hurt DO medical students. It's going to hurt IMG students. It's going to hurt. And particularly why this is going to hurt IMGs is because step two CK is based off of what? American clinical practices. International clinical practices, based on what's available, right? Because resources are different, equipment is different. Clinical treatments are different. Step one was based on basic science, which is pretty uniform. So if you're moving step two to be the focus point, you're putting IMGs at a disadvantage because they would have learned clinical training differently. 
That's why they already have a separate exam. Does that make sense to everybody? You guys understand what I'm saying right now? I am sweating. You guys know I'm sweating in here. Whew. I did some hot yoga this morning and I have not stopped sweating. <laughs> Do you guys get what I'm saying right now? Are you guys ready? DO students represent 25% of all United States medical students. So one in four medical students are from DO programs. Despite that, <clears throat> in a survey done, out of the 231 DO students who recently applied to neurosurgery residencies, 231, four were able to match into neurosurgery. Ortho, how many of you guys wanna be orthos? 15 out of a possible 752 were able to match into ortho. That tells you that DOs are already discriminated against. DOs best shot of getting into these super competitive residencies was step one. And even with that, those low numbers. Now you get rid of that and you add a kind of unfamiliar test, what's going to happen to these students? They're gonna get squeezed, right? Does that make sense? They're gonna get squeezed. The other issue, right, for IMGs is the best way for an IMG to get a U.S. residency is to crush the step one because U.S. schools don't tend to trust the curriculum of an international school. They don't trust the curve because, and this is not to me inflame anyone, the overall quality and preparedness of students at international medical schools is lower. Therefore, when you say I was the top of my class, it's not as well regarded. For my students who go to IMG, I was fine with it because all my students have taken my five pillars course. All my students know how to dominate and how to study well. So all my students are going to crush step one. Meryl just sent me a message today who's at a Caribbean school and she's at the top of her class and she just got voted to the curriculum committee because she's a freaking baller. So she'll get the residence she wants. She's, she's out of the window. <laughs> But for future IMGs, this could be problematic. The only way around for people who go to smaller schools that are less prestigious, DO schools, or go IMG, you still have a route to get residencies. You do. But you have to be so much more strategic. It is now much more difficult. And what's going to be happening is that, like I said, these schools that were traditionally pass-fail, the lower-tier schools, DO schools... They're going to go to grades as a way to really reflect their competency. They're going to be really tough about those grades. The other thing that's going to happen is that away rotations are going to become hugely important if you're going to have a shot of getting into certain residency programs. You're going to have to do away rotations. What's the problem with that? You say, oh, that's great. People are doing away rotations, get familiar with school. What's the problem with forcing students to do away rotations? This is going to be a nice segue. I like this. <laughs> you guys are mentioning it here. The problem is, is that away rotations, first and foremost, are very competitive. Already, people struggle to get the away rotations they want because they are competitive. Particularly, there are residency programs, and I talked to multiple program directors who let me know earlier this year that for away rotations, they won't even let students from certain schools 
rotate through because there's no way they're going to accept them as a resident. So why would they waste their time, their resources on having them for an away rotation if they have no shot of matching there? Particularly, one of the groups that's discriminated against are IMGs and DOs. So now you've taken away step one and these IMGs and DOs are at a disadvantage for getting away rotations and getting the opportunity to show how great they are. Oops. So it's a problem. Does that make sense? The second thing is that away rotations are expensive. You have to be able to afford to go live and stay and take out more loans and all these kind of things. It's complicated because you have to work it out with your school, their school, all these things. Away rotations are stressful because you have two weeks to show them you're amazing. You know everything. You don't mess up at all. You got to impress for two weeks beyond your P's and Q's. You got to be staying long hours. So if your whole fourth year is comprised of away rotations, how awful is that? As we bring all these together, this all leads me to the final thing in terms of this point of what the problem is, is that they talk about leveling the playing field. They said part of this is that minorities and disadvantaged students don't do well on step one, so by de-emphasizing it, we're gonna create more opportunity. Let's start just at the medical school level from what I've already told you. If we are de-emphasizing step one, because we wanna level the playing field because black students, Minority students, disadvantaged students can't, af can't afford, quote unquote, the prep resources, right? Because they can't access the resources. How is it going to be easier for them to get away rotations? Afford away rotations. How are they going to, again, get the, if they couldn't get the resources for step one, how do they get the resources for step two? And Zach just put in the box, 80% of urology matches were at home institution or their away rotation. That's how it goes. It's so, so, so important. If you're trying to level the playing field, you gotta ask yourself, well, how does this level the playing field? Oh, listen, they're not doing well in step one, so we're gonna give it a step one and change them to step two. That'll help. No, it won't. Okay, well, if there's no test, we'll just rely on away rotations and, and how well they're known and whatever. They have done studies of unconscious bias. People who don't look like you, who aren't from your background, you don't like as much. So are we likely to see more or less disadvantaged and minority students into some of these programs? Less, less, less. It's a problem. Additionally, if you're from a disadvantaged background, do you know doctors? Do you know program directors? Do you have people in your life who can make calls on your behalf to medical schools, to residencies? No. So then who does it serve that now we're going more on reputation and who you know for residency applications? Probably the people who are rich, wealthy, fifth generation doctors whose dad's on the board of whatever hospital. So it's gonna promote, right? People who are already tied in, the already wealthy, the advantaged, and it's going to sink the disadvantaged. That's just at the medical school level. Worse is what it does to pre-meds. And anyone who looks at the data and understands, again, where the bottleneck is for minorities and for disadvantaged students, where's that bottleneck, guys? Why don't we have more doctors of color? Why don't we have more disadvantaged doctors than we do now? Where's the bottleneck? Is it getting into medical school? Is it getting into residency? Or is it becoming board certified? Where's the roadblock for minorities? This is so important. I want you guys to think about this. They have the statistics, they could, they could have seen this, they probably considered this, and then I uh, couldn't really get at it. How, where is the bottleneck? 
Where do minorities stop? You guys are putting in the box, of course. It's medical school admissions. Minorities and disadvantaged students don't get into medical school. And what is the biggest reason they don't get into medical school? They get weeded out early on because they lack academic preparedness. They lack the resources, the support, and the guidance to navigate pre-med. The second reason is because of what? Low MCAT scores, inability to get the MCAT score. Do you guys understand? This is why I created an MCAT course that's $299 because my minority students, my disadvantaged students asked me to create an affordable course for them to teach them exactly how to dominate the MCAT. Right? This is exactly why I offer pre-med coaching with me for just a couple hundred bucks. This is why. Because my people, my minorities, my disadvantaged students don't have access to the resources. They don't get into medical school. It's the facts. It's the reality. So if you now have devalued step one and you've increased the value and what people are going to put on prestige of medical school, what now becomes more competitive? Getting into those prestigious, it matters more to get into those prestigious medical schools. Well, to get into the Stanford's, like I got into, you need a top MCAT score. You need a top GPA. You need stellar extracurriculars. So you increase now. You took the, the burden off of step one, but you've added burden to pre-med where these students are the least prepared, where these students have the least amount of resources and infrastructure. You've increased the emphasis on what? The MCAT, which is the major roadblock, guys. The MCAT is the single biggest roadblock, guys, to increasing diversity as physicians. So if you take away step one and you, right, you're putting more emphasis on the MCAT. They talked about medical students from disadvantaged backgrounds not being able to afford step one prep resources, and that's why they don't do well. That's hogwash. Hogwash. It cost me, so this is very important. What's the average debt for a graduating medical student? This is why details matter. I'm going to break this down. This is very important. What is the average debt of a medical student who graduates right now? What is that number? Someone Google it right now. Pull it up on the box. This is so important. What's that average debt for a graduating medical student? Do you guys pay attention? It's around $200,000. dollars However, sometimes a headline or a number doesn't tell the whole story. One of the things I was excited about for Stanford was that Stanford reports one of the lowest student graduation debt rates in the country. Yes. Yes, guys. I'm going to get the medical school to be affordable. Woo! I'm get out of here like 140000 That's the average. Woo! I can do it. The problem is, guys. The average debt for medical students doesn't take into the fact that becoming a doctor is a rich man's game. Most people who become doctors come from privileged backgrounds. This is facts. This is not opinion. This is facts. In fact, I was sitting down with a diversity dean at a medical school, even looking at their minorities. 80-something percent of their minorities at this medical school, these are medical students, had parents who were doctors or lawyers. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? 
So when I'm always proud of my accomplishment as a truly disadvantaged minority person who got into Stanford Medical Graduate taught my class, it's because I am the unicorn. Disadvantaged blacks don't get into medical school. Rich blacks do. The data supports it. It's not a lie. It's the truth. So because medical school and becoming a doctor is a rich man's game, the average debt is skewed. So even at a place like Stanford, out of a school, a class of 80-something students, I was shocked at just how many of my classmates had parents who covered their whole tuition. Cost of attendance for Stanford Med School is $100,000 a year. Their parents could write a check and chip that off. Guess how much my parents chipped off for my medical school education? <laughs> guess how much they chipped off for mine? Just as a rough guess. Did they wrote a check for $400,000 on my first day? No. So that average is dragged down by the number of rich students whose parents contribute to their tuition. So the real number for students who come from disadvantaged backgrounds is way higher. So disadvantaged students graduate with proportionally higher debt ratios than wealthy students. Do you guys understand what I'm saying right now? So even though we read 200,000, if you're a disadvantaged student, you are likely, unless you get nice scholarships, many of my students get nice scholarships, you are going to graduate with higher debt than your wealthy counterparts. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Regardless of all that, the point of that is, is that when we report an average debt of 200,000, let's be conservative and say disadvantaged students graduate with $250,000 of debt on average. How much... <laughs> Do step one MCAT or step one, sorry, prep resources cost a medical student? I myself spent less than a thousand dollars on step one prep. I, in fact, spent less than five hundred dollars on step one prep. So, if I'm paying the school a hundred thousand dollars a year for school, do you think I even blinked at spending five hundred dollars on step one prep resources? Not at all. However, right, so the cost to me as a medical student relatively was nothing. Gave it away. That's, that's pocket change. But for MCAT, if you're a disadvantaged student, the typical MCAT prep class that's, that people think is required to get the top MCAT score, how much do those classes cost, guys? How much do they cost? How much is Princeton Review, Kaplan, how much are these classes? This is so important. It's around $2,000 for an MCAT prep class. Most of you guys don't pay $2,000 a year for tuition for your school. So when someone says to you $2,000 for an MCAT prep class, you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, that's my whole life savings for my whole life. I have to sell my organ to get that MCAT class. You can't access those kind of funds. So when you increase the emphasis on the MCAT, you actually worsen that burden, that gap, that disparity because you guys as undergrads can't chip off two grand for an MCAT prep class. Which is again, that's why I offer a $299 prep class because I know you guys need it. Does this make sense? So people aren't thinking, right? The cost of money is different on what stage of your life you're in. If I'm paying Stanford hundred grand a year, I don't care about paying 500 bucks for step one prep. But if my whole tuition for the year of undergrad is 10 grand, chipping off two grand is a lot, right? This is important, this matters.
They're not going to worsen. They're going to worsen the gap. You're not going to see more diversity. This is a bad move on so many levels. I am here, guys, to close the gap. I am here to diversify medicine. I want any passionate student to be able to get to medical school. That's why I created this podcast. That's why I created my courses at studenttransformation.com. I want you guys to get to your dreams. And so I encourage all of you guys to understand, I'm on a mission to empower 1 million students to transform and change the face of medicine. And I just encourage all of you guys to recognize that we can make a difference. If you are a student of color, if you are a disadvantaged student, you can get there. If you're not a disadvantaged student, if, if you come from lots of money, that's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want everyone to understand, no matter what your circumstances are, financial, support-wise, guidance-wise, you can get there, but you got to put the right people around you, and you got to get informed. So I encourage all of you guys, keep listening to this show. If you have questions, send me a voicemail at studenttransformation.com. You can send me a voicemail. And if you're ready to get all the information you need about pre-med, I encourage you to get into one of my courses, get into one of my coaching and mentoring programs, and get the advice, get the guidance you need to be successful, guys. Let's get back to the episode. And here's the worst kicker of all this. Once a minority or a disadvantaged student is into medical school, there are a ton of resources. There's so much infrastructure. There's so much support to help that student find the resources, use the resources, get prepared for this stuff. In medical school, if you're struggling, they literally will sit someone down with you like every single day and have them work on stuff with you. In undergrad, how many of you guys who are disadvantaged or underrepresented, how many of you guys have someone like that in your corner who's going to teach you exactly what to get, what resources, who has that? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So what happens, and this is the example, and I always, I, I, I feel so terrible. People get on me about offering courses and coaching programs. But what you guys don't understand is that infrastructure and support, foundation, firmness of a curriculum matters. What happens to disadvantaged and underrepresented students is they disproportionately throw their preparation together. I'm just going to throw my pre-med dreams all in a bundle and hope for the best. The example of this, and I love SNMA, I love MAPS. I'm speaking at MAPS's AMEC National Conference in April. I'm the keynote for that. I spoke at a MAPS conference two weeks ago. I'm all about them. But I'm on Instagram, and on my Instagram it pops up that SNMA or MAPS or both of them, one of them, is running a campaign asking, and I'm going to read the quote, they're asking students for recommendations for MCAT success. And they write underneath that, preferably students who scored higher than 500. So when SNMA or MAPS or both releases this guide to MCAT success that was crowdsourced from students who preferably scored higher than 500 and students of color and disadvantaged students consume this, are they at an advantage or disadvantage to students who have formal infrastructure and training around them. This is so important. That's why I get on you guys about, oh, I'm gonna go to Instagram, and I'm gonna get some tips, I'm gonna go on video, I'm gonna go, oh, how I got 99th percentile on the MCAT, five minute video, teach you everything you need to know. Why am I so hard on that stuff? Because I'm about disadvantaged and underrepresented students, and a five minute video is not gonna all of a sudden turn you into an advantaged student. It's silliness. You have to have infrastructure. You have to have foundation. You have to have curriculum. 
You can't crowdsource an MCAT guide. It's silliness. I'm sorry. I get a little heated because like this is this is the ludicrous stuff that keeps diversity down. Ludicrousness. We're gonna create a free crowdsource guide. Me mentor. I love it. But again, you're gonna have mentors just being out. Anyone can teach a workshop. Anybody can mentor. No. You want people who are trained to be a mentor. You want people who are trained in medical admissions. You want people who are trained study experts. You want, tra you want training. You want high-level people talking to these students. We can't just have anybody up the street. Hey, you're interested? Pastor, you want to come? We can't do that. I can't get. I can't be like, oh, okay, great. This policy, on the surface, sounds great. Someone in the box commented, "What are the pros?" The pros are that step one and preclinical stuff is devalued, which is great. Devaluing preclinical nonsense is phenomenal. The problem is it doesn't address the real issues if we're talking about increasing diversity and we're talking about medical students being less stressed and we're talking about taking the burden off of medical trainees from feeling so beat down they want to kill themselves. It doesn't fix the issue. I don't. I, I'm just like... I, you know, it's, it's lonely being the only voice in the room that's going to say this and be real about this and 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 break this down this way because you guys can hear a lot of people spin it a lot of different ways and whatever. This is the reality. We're not going to close the gap. It's like our U.S. as a whole. Middle class has eroded and we have broke and we have super wealthy. Housing costs are rising much faster than living wages. Grocery prices rising. Gas prices rising. Everything's rising. Wages for the for the poor people, for the middle income class, leveled off. It's the same thing that's happening in medical training. And for all you students out there, recognize everything I say about step one, none of it matters if you are what? Everything negative I said about step one and this change today, none of it matters if what, guys? This is the important thing. So what should you do? Oh my God, the sky is falling. When the sky is falling, I can't, I can't be successful. Oh yeah, this is, you know, the, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say one, of the, one of the black students said at a conference recently, it's the white fist of oppression on my neck, right? Like how many of you guys feel crushed by this? People who are watching this who are DO students, who are considering DO, students who are IMG students, considering IMG, students who are at lower tier schools. Oh my gosh, students who, how many of you guys are panicked right now? What changes that panic from, ah, it doesn't really matter. Harpreet just said it. Study skills. Understanding medical school admissions. Understanding how to navigate medical school and residency. Being informed. But ultimately, study skills. Because like I said at the outset of this, I fear no test. I fear no initiative changes. Because I'm so great, I can't be denied. <laughs> I'm so great, it doesn't matter what policies you change. I'm so great on every front. I can't be stopped. So if you know how to study, your MCAT score will be good enough to get into a school you want to go to. If you're at a lower tier school or DO school or IMG school, you are going to go out and you're going to ball out in your preclinical classes. You're going to ball out in your clinicals. You're going to get great shelf scores. You're going to do well in step 2 CK. You also are going to be out there getting the information you need to be informed about what residency admissions entails and loopholes for you to get the away rotations you want, for you to get the letter recommendations you need to be able to get the residency spot you want. So Katie, one of my students who's about to start IMG, earlier was like, ooh, what do I have to do? That's your question. Hey, I just saw this. What do I have to do? That's the message. What do you have to do to be successful? And so I told her, listen, don't worry. We'll get together. Come up with your plan. You'll be fine. That's what happens.
but so many of you guys are out here watching five minute videos, watching a 15 second TikTok, thinking, oh, that's what I need to be great. Yay, sprinkles and gumdrops. Sprinkles and gumdrops. Step your game up. If medical school matters to you, if being a doctor matters to you, step your game up and become excellent. What does my shirt say? No freaking excuses, just dominate. We are dominators on this side of the table. It's the cult of greatness, y'all. If you are worried about your future, what are you doing right now to get great? Someone on here, KJAP said, as an IMG, I needed this. No, what you need is to take this and then turn into you learning how to study by getting into my five pillars course. It, it takes you saying, listen, I'm going to grind this out. I'm going to network my tail off. I'm going to learn everything I can in this medical school to get all the recommendations, to get all the grades, to do everything I can to be successful. What are you actually doing? Watching me isn't going to change your future. I can yell. Bah! Ain't going to change your future. What are you actually doing? I'm dead serious right now. Again, I'm not about the BS. If you are a person who wants to get excellent, make moves. Make moves. And I like this. Oren says, when you're the best at what you do, racism and sexism has to bow down to the best. Again, I fear nothing. People get on here and they spew racial slurs at me. I almost got attacked. I actually, I got, it was a mob of people, a gaggle of people who basically verbally attacked me. We almost went to fisticuffs at a conference a couple weeks ago. People want to fight this man, want to test this man. But I'm so great, it doesn't phase me. Where are you guys at in your greatness scale? Step your game up, guys. I'm trying to tell you, you got this information, you recognize it's an uphill battle for some of you guys. Now, are you going to take the next step and go get your greatness? Are you going to go learn how to study, get into my five pillars course? I'll help you guys out. I'll put a, a link in the box below, give you guys a discount on it, but go get it. If you guys are now pre-med, you're understanding, oh, wait, I got to get into a more prestigious medical school or I got to get my test prep skills up so I'm ready for whatever's coming at me, get into an MCAT course, do whatever it takes Right, Get into my total pre-med transformation coaching and mentoring program so I can mentor and coach you and get you where you want to go. Do these things. Make moves. Step your game up. As Latanya said, step your game up. I can't, I can't enough with this. Please stop being average. Be so great that they can't ignore you. Open doors for your future. It's your doctor dream. Does it matter to you? Or are you going to be like, okay, great. You're going to give up? Or are you going to keep going through and justifying yourself? Well, yeah, I'm not great, but it'll be all right. Can't get with it. Be great. Be great or just go do something else. But this show is called what, guys? Dominate pre-med. Why? Because if you dominate pre-med, you get into medical school, you become a doctor, you get to help people change people's lives. You get to make the impact you want to make. You get to live the life you've always dreamed of. All these videos you watch of doctors living the life you want to live. Again, what are you doing to make yourself the one in the video? Yourself the one that's a doctor. 
It's your dream, but it don't, like, do, does it matter enough to you to get yourself great, to get yourself dominant? All I gotta say. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you have enjoyed this, please take a second, leave a review, guys. Let me know. Let other people know that this podcast brings the truth, brings the heat, and that other people need to get this greatness. Every single week, I'm going to feature one of your guys' reviews. I'm going to pick my favorite review from the week. I'm going to feature it on the show, and that person will win a free course or free coaching with me, guys. All you have to do to enter to win is submit your review. If you want more of this greatness, make sure you take the time to subscribe or follow to this podcast on your favorite podcast player. Get greatness. And if you're really ready to level up, get to the website, guys studenttransformation.com. Like I said, I'll put some discounts for you guys in the box below so you guys can get that, get rolling and get your, get your, get your grade on, but step it up. I encourage all of you guys make today the first day of the rest of your life, a great life, a successful life, a dominant life. Y'all Dr. Pinesett, the study doc. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I will see you guys next time. I'm out y'all. Today is the day, guys. No more excuses. No more complaining. You're going to take your future in your own hands. You're going to dominate. You're going to be successful. Get to my website, studenttransformation.com. I challenge you. What are you going to do today to make your life better?